Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. everybody oh hello here we are the season finale of season no big deal six. no big deal we'd like to start off today's episode by acknowledging and taking accountability for a recent harmful oversight here in the pod space in our episode for normal again that aired just a few weeks ago we had a brief conversation around the indigenous australian instrument that andrew was playing we referred to the instrument as a didgeridoo but that was wrong it is a yadaki I also talked about playing this instrument in college. Uh, Had we done a little more research, we'd have both known that the name didgeridoo was given to the instrument by white colonizers, and also that it's an incredibly sacred instrument that is only played by men, except in very rare circumstances. We are both so sorry to everyone, but especially to our indigenous listeners for discussing the instrument so casually. We should have done further research into its origin so that we could have responsibly shared that information with you all. We have a pretty large platform here, and so when we speak incorrectly and irresponsibly, it has a very harmful impact. It further uplifts the settler colonial narrative of ownership of indigenous cultures. We've removed that part of our conversation from normal again, and we also have added a few very important resources to our anti-racist library for those who would like to learn more about the Yadaki, its history, and the Aboriginal people to whom its legacy and creation belongs. Continuing to engage in this kind of accountability is so important to both of us, and we hope to continue learning, unlearning, and showing up to our conversations here in informed and responsible ways. A couple of other things that we'd like to mention before we roll into the episode with you. One, hey, it's um, the last episode of the season, and so Jenny and I are going to take a short break. We will be back at the beginning of November with... Final season, season seven. What the hell? In that break, during that break, you know us by now. You know that we say we're going to take breaks, but we don't actually take breaks. We just do other things that are not the podcast. And so we're going to be doing a few things. One, today (laughs) is the last day. If you are a patron at the $5 level or higher, today is the last day to submit. Go on over to that mailbag Patreon post. Go into the forum. Send us your thoughts, your questions, all the things you want us to read in that mailbag. That'll be going up for patrons next Wednesday. And uh, on October 9th, Saturday, October 9th, Jenny and I are going to be hanging out with patrons at the $10 level and higher. We're going to be carving some pumpkins. We're going to be singing some songs. We'll probably drink like hot cocoa or hot toddies or hot something, you know, because we like to roll into the season cozily. God Mm -hmm. damn it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Our production calendar for November will be up in the next couple of weeks, but know that we won't be gone for too long. We'll just be gone for about six weeks and we'll see you very soon. While we're gone, there will be episodes coming into the feed. Those will be the Unbarrier Gaze episode and the special episode that we did with Jess Clark on Seeing Red. Both of those will air in the main feed while we're, quote, off. Also, a timely reminder, the board meow tea is only up through the end of October. So if you want this beautiful shirt designed by Diana Kresge uh, to commemorate your feelings about Dark Willow, cats, or any combination thereof, uh, now you know what your deadline is. Also, the songs from season six CDs are now up. Woo! 
Woo! for pre-order, baby. That's right. You can find them in our shop. Uh, they're going to be pumpkin orange. They are. Season. They're orange and black for festive times. Yes. And as we enter this blessed autumnal season, at least here in our part of the world, uh, sniffing our cinnamon scented pine cones and sipping our pumpkin lattes, enjoying all the spices the season has to offer. Let me present to you one other spice, a rarer spice, if you will. It's the results of the penultimate season six sexual tension awards. Lay it on me. Are you ready, Kristen? That's what she said. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in fourth place, of course, uh, because nobody wants it. With 3% of the vote, it's Jonathan and Andrew checking each other's holes. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) In... An alarming result that I can't make heads or tails of. In third place, with 5% of the vote, it's Spike and Tanoi Reed, a.k.a. The Rock's cousin and stunt double, (laughs) a.k.a. the human action figure. All I can say to this disappointing result is more for me. Fair. In second place, in second place with 14% of the vote, Power on one side, power on the other side. It's a very balanced teeter-totter. It's Buffy and Dark Willow. Shockingly low for this pairing. But you know why it is, Kristen. You know what's going on. A man has come back from across the sea in a long black coat with LASIK surgery (laughs) and uh, a banging skin routine here to... Punish uh, the Wicked, it's uh, Giles and all of us in first place with a staggering 78% of the vote. Yes, you all know what's good. You all know what is good. Congratulations to Giles and all of us. God bless us, everyone. Seriously. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you should go over and check out a post we put up uh, within the last week. Uh, somebody shared with us Giles, well... Tony Head talking about all of his romantic and bedroom related feelings. Uh, you should. Good gravy. It'll make you blush. It'll make you blush. All right. I've got an email for us before we kick off into the finale. Are you ready, Jenny? So ready. Because our listeners are experts in literally anything that we ever ask about. <laughs> Of course, we have some wonderful truck drivers traversing the globe, listening to our podcast, who answered our question. This email is from Liv, who is probably listening to their own email read back to them while they drive their truck. Liv said, oh, my God, it's finally my time to shine as the resident truck driver. My first thought rewatching the scene was, how exactly is Willow driving this truck? Assuming, since it's a Peterbilt, that the truck is a manual, is Willow shifting gears, controlling the clutch? Is the reason she's draining because of the nuances of driving stick? Or is she floating gears? Is this a loose callback to Faith's line about Willow not driving stick anymore? <laughs> anyway, back to the question. No, this driver was doing some seriously dramatic steering, which is what led to the truck jackknifing at the end. Honestly, Willow was keeping the truck in a straight path. All he had to do was feather the brakes to stop. But proper driving makes for way less entertaining television. Anyway, best of luck as you close out the season. And thanks for keeping me awake during those long night drives. Wow. Thank you so much, Liv. Uh, We're sending you so many good vibes. And also, I hope your truck is never, ever commandeered by a (laughs) very angry 
vengeful witch. And I hope you never have to do that thing where you grab the steering wheel really tight and look really concerned and and then ultimately just like let the steering wheel go and throw your hands up, giving up, giving over control to whoever is controlling your truck now. Hope that never happens to you, buddy. I hope the same. And um, I hope for everyone's sake that we can get into the episode now. Let's do it. Hello, and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler-free, in tandem with those low-down, no-good, dirty... Angel on top. Oh, they really grind my gears. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo, cackling right at the top. This week, we are talking about the season finale of season motherfucking six. It is called Grave, and we're coming out the other side of the season. Woo! Stay tuned. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> but we have done it. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week. Although, mm, for the season finale, you got two in a row. One week to the next. How you doing, Jenny Owen Young's? Writing two songs in two uh, weeks. Bada bing. Mm-hmm. Bada boom. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. Actually. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned at the end of the podcast for an original song written by Jenny. It's going to recap the Buffy episode that we are discussing. Grave was written by David Fury and directed by James A. Contner and originally aired on May 21st, 2002, immediately following Mm -hmm. Two to Go. Do you know, Jenny Owen Youngs, this is the only season finale of all seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that is not written by Joss Whedon. Yeah. This cheese stands alone. Uh, And hey. One lonely cheese. According... According to TV Guide, love TV TV Guide, just trying to keep it t- close to the chest. TV Guide says this is the one where, in the conclusion of the sixth season finale, a magical friend helps the Scooby gang try to stop a sorceress. <laughs> but the witch still has a few a tricks sorceress. up her sleeve and an unwilling assistant. <laughs> a sorceress. A sorceress. Um, Wait. Also, last sentence from TV Guide. Also... Spike's African sojourn comes to a climax. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, who are you? Who who are you? Who wrote this? So who is is Willow's unwilling assistant? Is it Anya for getting mind controlled? Is it uh, Giles for... um, I mean, literally everyone who assists Willow in this is unwilling. We are all of us. (laughs) We are all unwilling. Willow's unwilling assistants. (laughs) Um... Cool. I have a Here question. I have a question right at the top about the previously ons because like, we talked yes. in, in Two to Go, obviously, about how we got this like season recap of everything we never wanted to see again. But on Hulu, which is where I watch and you where you watch, Jenny, there's a previously on for Grave. And so this is really a, you know, this is a question for uh, pod nemesis, LaToya Ferguson, because I'm sure she would know. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> 
Like, how did this previously on come to be? Is it because, like, internationally the, they didn't air together, maybe? Or is it because on Hulu they're separate and so they made one? Like, when did this previously on get made? Question I pose to the universe. A.K.A. LaToya. <laughs> yeah, so LaToya. Our if you're, universe. If we're still on speaking terms, let us know. Well. <sighs> Remember how Giles threw open the fucking door wearing nary one spectacle on his eyeballs looking like the hottest man i have ever ever put my eyes upon yeah he went coat shopping with angel (laughs) Uh, picked up a duster of his own but it's woolen because he lives in england now giles has never been hotter than this yeah giles is very hot good thing we have a jingle for that Dad's mad The witches told him you'd been real bad So pissed that he took off his glasses You better watch what you say Dad is mad You know what I think it is? I think Tony Head got to go fucking home for a minute (laughs) see his loved ones sleep <laughs> on a regular like a reassume a human circadian rhythm mm. he looks well rested oh. he looks like fit like he looks hot he looks like he's just like feeling a lot better than i imagine you feel after filming mm-hmm. this television show mm-hmm. on this television show's schedule for six years yeah yeah good job taking a nap dad good job uh it, it we so we you know if you watch this in real time you sort of saw him walk in and then you continued on into this scene that we enter in for grave let's um let's walk into this scene hearing what willow has to say what dark willow has to say about the arrival the return of the prodigal giles uh-oh daddy's home i'm in wicked trouble now you have no idea Somewhere, somewhere, Faith Lahane's ears just pricked up. She caught a scent in the wind of someone saying wicked in Sunnydale. <laughs> Yo, Faith She's sitting probably in a the t- Faith would be like eating a giant bucket of popcorn watching this shit go down. Faith would be so fucking into this finale so into it yeah she's like uh you know sitting alone in her spot and cell somewhere <laughs> god give got. her the vhs tape somebody mail faith lahane the vhs tape recording you have of the season six finale because yeah Ooh, she would be like yeah she's Buffy's watching the season good. six finale yeah then she's watching the departed uh <laughs> then she's watching a movie i just learned about while visiting fenway park called the town, which is apparently some kind of like heist movie where some guys try to steal the fortune in the safe at Fenway <laughs> uh, because Ben Affleck decided he wanted to write, direct and star in a movie that would allow him to just spend a lot of time at Fenway. Did anyone know that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are from Boston? Did anyone know that? <laughs> <laughs> it's about time that we uncover this truth long obscured I- by the sands and dusts and winds of time. <laughs> oh, Bostonian they are. God. So, yeah. Um, 
Giles is like, I'm not finished yet. And Willow's like, neither am I. And then Giles says, stay down. Ah! Hot, 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 hot. You can tell me to stay down anytime, Giles. I'm sorry. Gotta go. Gotta go. I can kill a couple of geeks all by myself, says Willow. Um, And then she starts ragging on Giles. Which, I mean, you know, it's a good, it's a good, she drags on him pretty good, right? You can watch. Isn't that what watchers do? Butting in on things that don't concern you. Never have I been so bummed as having to endure yet another line reading of someone saying amateur. I know, I know. In Sunnydale, <laughs> California. <laughs> um, before she, before she, del- before her voice drops three octaves, uh, which we're going to listen to together as a family. <laughs> but before, before that happens, um, there's a, but there's just a couple of like moments in this episode where even before she sucks the essence of magic out of Giles's beating heart, there's like this glimmer of like something that is not only evil in Dark Willow. And this is like one of those moments because Giles says, you'll wind up dead and she doesn't have a retort. Like she just sort of like, she she takes a minute, has a beat. So just pointing that out. Um, But then, yeah, let's hear her. Let's hear her say amateur. uh, And... (laughs) And hear, hear what that dark vengeancy magic does to the vocal cords of one Willow Rosenberg. You call me a rank, arrogant amateur. Well, buckle up, Rupert. Because I've turned pro. Well, this is just simply not what I want out of life. There's a few instances of this for dramatic purpose voice dropping and i don't know about it yeah yeah i mean you know there's a a, dark willow is really campy so i allow it i'll allow it i think it's you know it's like fun in that in the campy way like later when she's like fly my pretty like (laughs) you know it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous but it's like kind of her deal so i'm good with it uh i think all right all right Important to important to note, of course, because when we ended two to go, we saw Giles enter, but we did not realize until this scene that Giles is wielding some serious fucking power. Anya is like, how did he what? What just happened? <laughs> Wasn't this man supposed to be a watcher? And he just like knocked this powerful witch down. Um, he has I mean, in this episode, Giles is also a witch. Motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He uses his witchcraft uh, to create what I refer in my notes as a stasis blob. Do you think that's the technical Wow, term? I called it a little nap donut. Oh, that's cute. I'm like, where can I get a little <laughs> nap donut? I would like to float and sleep. Oh, you can play LAX's temporary goodbye over the image yes, of you exactly. inside of your nap donut. Thank you. This, of course, this nap donut uh, is how Giles gets Willow to, like, sit and time out for a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. He sort of wraps her in this thing, and she's, like, awake and can hear but can't use her magic. Uh, it's very temporary. Speaking of temporary goodbyes. and um, But we get this little pause gives us a very sweet moment. Giles notices that Buffy cut her hair, <laughs> and they hug. Anya, Anya, like the like little sister is like, my hair's different. Dad, dad, 
<laughs> she would also like a hug. Oh, and then Giles like holds both of them against his big Giles chest. And it's lovely. It's very nice. It's very uh, he then he also walks over to uh, Donut Willow and says, I'm very sorry about Tara because he knows that she can hear him. And of course, she does not care and says, this won't hold me forever. Oh, my God. Okay, now, I have a bone mm. to pick. Is it a magic bone? <laughs> a magic bone to pick. Sure, Giles just put Willow in a little nap donut. Why in the flipping god mother flip ah! Why? <laughs> yeah, why in the hell would you leave Anya alone in the room with Willow so you could go in the back and have a little catch well, up with the straw dummy and the uh, the gymnastic horse or whatever that thing is called. Yeah, you wouldn't, uh, except for if you're writing a television show and you sure. absolutely need for Buffy and Giles to get this moment. And I, I am here for it. I will sacrifice. Uh, I will buy into plausible di- what I you know what I mean I'm gonna buy it. okay I'm gonna, yes yeah you're suspending your disbelief there it is I'm suspending my disbelief so that I can get into this, a nap donut <laughs> this scene uh this is one of my favorite scenes I'm sure uh, many of you feel the same this is one of my favorite scenes in the series of this show like all 144 fucking episodes and like this is up there but before before we get there and we all get to laugh together we get some information uh a Giles agrees with all of us the council is a bunch of ding-dongs great uh b there is an extremely powerful coven in Devon. I looked up Devon, uh, Devon, England, and it's very beautiful. If you live there, congratulations. Like, Congrats. Fucking gorgeous beaches. And stuff. It's really nice. If I were a, mm. in a witch coven, I would also set up camp there. Um, sure. And we learn that uh, that is how Giles has become the witch that he is now. He has been imbued with the powers of the coven uh, to battle this dark force fueled by grief that they were aware of while the council was, like, fucking filing their nails. <laughs> so just to uh, refresh your memories <laughs> from a little bit ago, <laughs> Buffy's like, Giles, everything's just been so... <sighs> Xander left Anya at the altar and Anya's a vengeance demon again. Dawn's a total klepto. Money's been so tight that I've been slinging burgers at the Double Meat Palace, and and I've been sleeping with Spike. <laughs> Sorry. An Emmy, an Emmy for Tony Head, an Emmy for Tony Head. This is incredible. His little fucking Giles hand comes up over his still non-spectacled face. He looted it. And so now 
if you have finally gotten to this episode, you know that every time we put that fucking gif up, because this is a big one, it's a big gif moment for Giles. <laughs> this is what he's laughing at. <laughs> he's like, you have to be kidding me. I love this. I, I know that, like, I don't need to say it 50 times. It's just, you know, the, the, I think sometimes shows can just go too hard in, in like the drama direction because it's not accurate to real life, right? Like when really horrible things are happening, it, those are also the moments when you laugh the hardest. It's like the closer mm. you get to total destruction, also the closer <laughs> you get to like being able to feel just complete and utter joy and laughter. And like that is the moment that they're sharing here and it is done Oh, chef's mwah, you know? <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, <clears throat> back in the front room of the magic box, of course, Willow is controlling Anya's mind. <laughs> Anya. It's good. I love, I love, like, I think that the, the amount of times they use people speaking from the inside of their brain is the right amount of times. Like, because it always has yeah. an impact on me. You know, like, you could overdo that yeah. and they don't. <laughs> So no, it's very good. Anya's like, you can't control me. I'm a vengeance demon. And Willow's like, go do this thing. She's like, okay, mm, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, sure, 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 sure. No. So but we cut back to the training room. They are still laughing, and oh my god, pissing themselves, just dying. Just uh, you need this. You need this. You know, we've all earned it. So feel free, take a laugh, um, and. <laughs> Giles is like, I should never have left. And all of us shout from behind our television screens, damn right. Meanwhile, Buffy's like, no, you really, it's totally fine. You absolutely should have. Everything that you thought would happen, happened. And I like, whatever. Mm, debatable. But there's too much to talk about in this episode to go too deep into that. Uh, and Giles says, sometimes the most adult thing you can do is ask for help. And Buffy and all of us in unison scream, now you tell me. Right. Uh, is it is a, a valuable little nugget there though? Like that's a good. That is true. That is true. Being able to ask for help is probably one of the hardest lessons for many of us to learn. So mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. here's your little uh, Kristen on your shoulder saying, "Hey, if it feels like perhaps you're in a place where you should ask for some help to do the thing you need to do or to get, just ask, ask. I have a lot of trouble asking when I need help. So this is me telling you." <laughs> You and I will do it together. We'll ask for help. Jenny, help! (laughs) Hello. Uh, So we get like, I will say this. I I really, there's a lot about this episode and like what it does that I really, really love. um, And a lot about this episode that I don't really love. So I want you to just know that when I'm talking about something I love, there are other things. And when I'm talking about things I don't love, okay, that's not my whole feeling on it. I have I can hold two things at once. This is something that I love. It's the first sort of glimpse we get into like Buffy's emotional place and how that's changing here, moving forward here, taking a step forward. And what I like is that in this scene, she says um, to Giles, like, it, it took a really long time for the feeling to go away that I wasn't really here. Right. And so mm-hmm. she's like acknowledging that like something has shifted in her. She doesn't feel sort of like as um, out of herself as she did before. And then she says, though, I don't understand why I'm back, though. And and I just like 
I love that these two things exist together. That like it isn't just the story of like Buffy's better now. It isn't. It's like Buffy still has questions. Buffy still is, has things that she has to struggle with and deal with and work through and move through. Uh, there's no there's not like a bow. Um, and so like when we get later on in the in the show, I just like want to remember this as well. That like there is not just mm-hmm. like a happy smiley face on Buffy here. Right. All, all that has happened is that she has found um, some hope and also found uh, some healing. She has healed a bit through this season. Yeah, and Giles says, oh, you know, you're back because of your calling. And Buffy says, it was my time. Someone would have taken my place. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what? Because you were dead for two months, three months, five months? Right, and nobody did. A number of months, nobody but did. That's we we all is agreed in upon jail. We agreed upon the idea that right that you only get one uh, replacement. Buffy Buffy begat Kendra. Kendra, Kendra begat Faith. Faith. Uh, now, if that's not true, what happened in the, all these months that well, no one was called like, to replace Buffy? It's, I mean, it's funny. Speaking funny of the of council logic. being a bunch of fucking ding dongs, like what were they doing that whole time? Because, I mean, you know, I would imagine that, like, they would have either dealt with Faith, and by dealt with, I mean killed Faith so that they would have a new Slayer, or mm. they would have at least fucking called up their their friends and been like, can you let her out of jail? You know, because you know their friends. Please. You know the, you know the yeah. council is friends with the, yeah. So, uh, but none of that happened, right? Um, um, anyway... This is also when we learn that the coven's plan, really hoping that we get to meet this coven because, you know, they're just like sitting at the beach. I love that they just sent Giles to do it. They're like, you know, you just you just take our power. How about you take it and you go do it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so weird. We're, We're going to give you the keys to the vet, old man. <laughs> <laughs> have a lovely drive. Have a, yeah, have a good time. It's a nice day here. We're going to get tan. So this is where Giles says, you know, be prepared because Willow, even if she does survive, she might not be the same Willow. She's killed a human being. Right. <laughs> and pause. I know you're mad about it. Am I? Well, oh, I don't know. She Last also killed episode. Rack. What is Rack? Right. We don't know. We don't know. I, so Rack doesn't count, I guess, because he was a creepy magic guy. Um, slash. He's uh, a sorcerer. Dealer? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And then, and then he's like, "How is she going to live with herself?" Cut to the doorway <laughs> into the workout room where Anya is. F- Floating and seemingly unconscious with her neck at an odd angle. And from behind her comes Willow's voice saying, I wouldn't worry about that. Willow doesn't live here anymore. Smoke bomb, pyrotechnics, friggin' those Good. really fast, noisy flash cuts they do in Angel between <laughs> scenes. So, yeah. The thought that I had that like isn't even worthy of of making the joke, but I had it, and so I'm me. Uh, was when you said that Anya was floating and her neck was bent at a weird angle. My brain mm-hmm. said to me, "Anya walked so that the bent neck lady could run." So, oh my god, you're all welcome. You know, so I just I can't uh, hold these things for myself. Um, Anya floated so that the bent neck lady <laughs> yeah, could float better. from a higher, creepier <laughs> angle. <laughs> 
So. Uh, Willow. Okay, this is. Mm, is this my favorite thing that Allison Hannigan, uh, like my favorite Allison Hannigan choice as Dark Willow? She says, "Fool me once, shame on you," and <laughs> waggles her finger in such a kind of way. Mm-hmm. I really, really like this choice. Not all. Dark Willow choices yeah. work for me personally, mm-hmm. but I think this one is great. It's menacing and it's just like a tiny little bit silly without being like overtly silly, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allison had again. Uh, and then she throws a bunch of knives at Giles without her hands, but thankfully he moves uh, one of the workout dummies. There's just one. Oh, <laughs> it is the, the workout, workout dummy, dummy in front and, of him. And like, just because, you, you know, we're talking about the workout dummy, I would just like to say that when we first cut into the training room, <laughs> Giles is like fingering the denim, uh, the sh- chambray shirt that the dummy is wearing. It's as though he's like also saying like, hey, bud, <laughs> I'm sorry, I left you too. You know, <sighs> he's about to just like pop the. The collar back to be like, oh, where's this? Is this from uh, J. Crew? Is this from uh, Brooks Brothers? <laughs> Whose shirt is this? Uh... Did they take my shirt to put on the desk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they start to fight. Yeah. So Willow, when she throws the knives at Giles and he blocks them with the dummy, like they all kind of like spin. But the one on the, they're like the furthest axe does like 40 spins. It's like the show off axe. It reminds me of the like yes. the bell, you know, the Christmas commercial with the, um, Hershey kisses where they all ring and then the last bell is like it just keeps on ringing ring, ding, 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 ding. yeah that's this axe it's like look mm. at me so yeah. outside shut up Xander shut the Wait. fuck up shut up Xander oh sorry ah. they fight fucking Giles throws Willow through like 40 walls and we cut oh yeah so Xander is leading the escape brigade and this has to be the most leisurely pace an escape brigade has ever taken me they are strolling which i know they have to do so that they can have this very annoying conversation but um remember (laughs) when dark willow said to dawn me this is actually who she should have been talking to it's xander (laughs) i can't do anything Uh, nobody needs me i'm xander and then dawn i told you i'm a fucking dawn fan top number one a number one dawn fan Kristen nolene russo dawn's like um feeling sorry for yourself isn't helping either you fucking dumbass (laughs) yeah xander i mean it's clear what they're like trying to do you know they're trying to show that xander feels like he you know He's just feeling like a real failure by the end of the season. He's not all of his friends have powers. Uh, he left his very hot wife at the altar. Uh, he's just kind of a wreck. And he's really focused on that right now for some reason instead of <laughs> focusing not on that. Um, he also, right, he's also like watching his best friend be like turn evil and like is power feels powerless to stop it he is like feeling you know max powerless i guess (laughs) is that like the the uh, lesser brother of max headroom (laughs) no (laughs) it's not how naming conventions work Kristen. um 
Yeah. So this is this is where I struggle with this episode, right? And I'm also like giving a little bit of a voice to I don't know if you remember my conversation with Emma when we talked about ter- the loss of Tara and like that whole journey. But Emma and like a lot of the sort of kitten board fury <laughs> about this and the and the way that this episode goes is like so. Willow is in this relationship with her partner, Tara. Tara dies. She's full of grief and rage. And the and the person who saves her is this fucking dude who talks about a crayon. Like that was like the 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 very painted with broad brush strokes. Like, are you fucking kidding? I have like I have space for I like and and we can, you know, go go deeper in when we get to the actual ending. Right. But like I have space for like love and humanity being something that is important to focus on. But this shit, like the fact that we have seen Xander like stomp his adult man way through the last several episodes and like just be so focused on himself because he's so upset that he can't save the world and he can't doesn't have powers or whatever and then at the end he is the hero given the fact that this is a show and arc created by a certain problematic man is does a lot of things to me that I do not like so I'm just saying that here and remember remember Kristen of uh Ghost of Kristen Past said she's she's not gonna like everything but she likes something so this is what this is just me liking not something I will like other things and and I'm gonna talk about it more when we get to the end but I just yeah I mean it's especially difficult because he has some very poor moments in this very episode like right here when Don says if Spike were here he'd go back and fight and Xander says to Don the 16 year old sister of his friend who has been assaulted sure if he wasn't too busy trying to rape your sister yeah my dude yeah the ways in which this is deeply inappropriate this and is... so very much not your thing no to tell a like legally a child about well and it's not even it doesn't even matter like i mean it does like that is valid sure. and true yes but you should like that is not it is not his place to tell to talk about buffy's trauma to anyone else that's mm-hmm. her decision to make but also on top of talking about this thing that is not his to talk about he literally weaponizes her fucking trauma for himself the only reason he fucking says this is because he needs dawn to know that he wouldn't do this and he is a good guy and nobody knows that he's a good guy that is using your best friend's fucking trauma so that you can feel better you motherfucker thank you yeah yeah (laughs) well anyway well anyway Uh, uh, more shirtless locations how great (laughs) Mm, here's spike at the demon cave oh god uh shirtless looking destroyed and he says now listen to these interesting words yeah i'm gonna read them as neutrally as i can (laughs) I'll take anything you can throw at me if it'll get what I need to take care of the Slayer. Give her what's coming to her. Now, the way that I just read those lines, you know, they could mean um, they could mean something positive. The way that they are performed 
they do not feel in any way positive. I don't even they agree feel... with that. I don't even agree. No, really? No, I don't. Really? Like, I actually do not understand how give her what's coming to her could. I mean, you'd have to oh, really you're like, bend you... the the energy in yeah. that to make it positive. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as as if he's saying. A uh, bitch is gonna see a change right, <laughs> right. here. I mean, right? Like, yeah. Okay, this cool. Is... <sighs> I mean, I just like. <laughs> Here's what I want to know uh, because last mm. um last episode or the episode I think it was last episode. Um, we t- I talked a little bit about like James Marsters sort of, uh, and I like I couldn't find the information that I wanted to find, and that is not because it isn't there. It's just because of like limited resources and time to devote to, to certain areas of research. But what I found uh, led me to believe that James Marsters was not told about the final scene of this episode until he had basically done all of these other scenes. And so I would mm-hmm. love if you know if you like have the the proof. <laughs> If you have the receipts about that. You have that, the receipts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then then please email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. And, because I, I'm pretty sure that that's the case, but I can't uh, say it with uh, 100% confidence. <clears throat> but I just, um, we know that he, right, he gets his soul at the end of the fucking episode. We know that. We know that he gets his soul at the end of the episode. And, you know, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um... But why fuck with us? Why fuck with us? Well, why fuck with us? And also, why give us a performance that? Yes. Well, and I and I blame (laughs) that that on that leans so far in the other direction because James feel ambiguous. James Marsters is a is an incredible actor. You and like and and I I'm gonna get mad about this in advance and maybe I'm wrong. But if this man did not know the last scene he was not given the fucking tools that he deserved to give us the performance that would have actually maybe been a little bit better than this my firm opinion is don't fuck with us on this like don't like if you want your character to go get his fucking soul back if that's the journey after the scene that Mm -hmm. you showed us in seeing red if that's where he's going then make him go there let us see him go there. Don't fucking play with our minds after you've done something like that. It's it, to, to me that is like not okay. But at the very fucking least, tell the man who plays this character, yes. who is obviously an incredibly skilled actor, mm-hmm. what the deal is, so that we can at, at the very least get the nuance. And I don't think that that happened here. And I'm not okay with it. Neither is Jenny. So, <laughs> indeed, uh, I have. More to add to this when we get to the end of our conversation about this episode. It's almost like it's a finale. Almost. Uh, You know what else happens in finales usually, Kristen? There's almost always huge CGI beetles. Everyone knows the most fearsome challenge in any physical trial is huge CGI beetles crawling up your nose. Of course. Just one. Just one. It's the special and he beetle. Do it's like the sperm that he meets just, the egg. It's like that one he beetle. He just <laughs> sits there. He just sits there and screams. He's not like fighting the beetle. Is the challenge like letting them crawl into your nose? Yeah, what does like, he have to do? This demon really needs to work on its communication. It needs, I mean, it's it's got the nails, uh, it's got the look, yeah. but it really is not communicating. Be- I love that we get another close-up of his little claws clacking together. That's In like how he expresses. Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> For this challenge, bugs. 
Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. So anyway, while Spike is being beetled, um, and the magic box is fucked up. The magic box is looking like Lauren's karaoke lounge up in here. It's oh fucking... my god, yes. <laughs> Caritas part two. That's actually, I think, Caritas part three. I think Caritas has already been destroyed twice. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, yeah, it's burning. Willow, the books are burning. Wi- yeah, whew. Some things are on fire. Willow looks like she's got the upper hand, and she says, that all you got, Jeeves? God dare. <laughs> what a rank, arrogant amateur. Jeeves. <laughs> I can go 10 more rounds. Nothing can hurt me now. This, and she like waves her hands in front of her face, is nothing. And then she gets real serious for a second and she says, It's all nothing. And we're like, All of us watching from the year 2021 are like, Uh huh. <laughs> and then buckle up because Giles says, If you lose someone you love, the other people in your life who care about you become meaningless. I wonder. What Tara would say about that? (laughs) That's my notes. My literal notes is 47 O's with an H. Oh, like, oh, shit. No, you didn't, Giles. No, you did not. Willow says you can ask her yourself (laughs) and shoots a little zappy bolt at him. Oh, my God. God, so many like zappy bolts and glowing orbs that come from various orifices of these witches' bodies in this episode. Just like orifices. opening palms and mouths and fucking just orbs of magic flying. Uh, luckily, Buffy pushes him out of the way. And then Willow's like, you're kind of, you're always saving everyone. It's kind of pesky. And she comes up with a scheme, an incredible plan. Oh my God. Yes, this plan, is, uh, this plan actually has a theme song. Are you ready? I'm a fireball. <laughs> yeah, Willow's like, I'm gonna, mm, I'm gonna send this fireball to bury Jonathan and Andrew and anyone helping them unless somebody can get there in time to save them. (laughs) And she throws the fireball through the ceiling and it's off and Buffy's like, fuck. And Giles is like, just go. I mean, Giles is like, like knows he's maybe gonna die and he's still like, god fucking damn it. Like his face is just like, cut. Come on, man. This bitch. Also, like, before we even leave this scene. So, so right. So Willow's like, boom, throws the fireball. Giles is like, God fucking damn it. Buffy's like, God fucking damn it. And so then Buffy runs out of the magic box after the fireball. The way... She, it takes her seven hours to get to the door. It's like, I don't understand why they let us see this run. It's like, it's not her fault because believe it or not, Sarah Michelle Gellar is just a human person. But like, no, the fireball is like thrown to the heavens and Buffy's like. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um. Yes. Well, shit. Um, uh, thought she'd never leave, says Dark Willow. Now I have you all to myself. So, Buffy's made it outside. Four hours have passed. She's on the streets of Sunnydale. <laughs> <laughs> we get a shot 
of the big you. The you? Faith's you? What big you? Who's been up there? <laughs> Faith literally can never see that you without being like, Faith is back there with her arrows, right? Her little poison darts. Right? Yeah, to her shoot little somebody. compound bow. If only she was, she could have caught what Buffy sees in the sky. What is it? I'm a fireball. <laughs> well, she's off after the fireball. Um, <laughs> now, Willow, being evil and all, mm-hmm. uh, has to monologue while mm-hmm. she does things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the rule. Yes, she's it is. thwapping Giles against the ceiling and against the floor and against the ceiling and against the floor. And then, <laughs> rude, she takes his friggin' power and then oh no Kristen (laughs) after she takes his power uh, (laughs) the world gets a little hazy and spinny and And she begins to say things like whoa head rush and who's your supplier and then oh no I'm so juiced Guys. Ooh. Guys. Ooh. Guys. Okay. Uh, it is still 2002. This is what all young people were led to believe being high on drugs felt like. We got a lot of this many, many like echoes of a person <laughs> trailing. Yes. It really yes. went hard on the trails, you know, like your hand yes. would trail. Yeah. Face. I want to see. I want to see Willow. <laughs> I want to see Willow diving uh, into a, <laughs> a bar bathroom toilet to retrieve uh, some herbs. Oh, some God. I thought you were going to say I want to see Willow diving into an empty pool, which was like that fucking don't do drugs. You remember that uh, fucking commercial? I was thinking that's of how they. That's how they tried to also, get us. Not also do, cautionary. Not to do drugs. They were like, this girl yeah. smoked a joint, and then she thought there was <laughs> water in the into pool. An empty what? Pool. <laughs> this is town. your brain, <laughs> an, a literal chicken egg. This is your brain on drugs, a literal chicken egg frying in a pan. Guys, that's not science, but it is memorable. <laughs> it is. I mean, we literally remember like, like a shot for shot of those commercials. So, anyway. Willow is experiencing something new and she says, uh, you know, she's saying she's feeling extremely powerful and connected to everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could feel everyone's feelings, which sounds like a total nightmare. Yeah. This uh, is what happened to Cordelia. I only remember? feel my own feelings and I'm ready to retreat into a distant mountain cave and never return. You know I mean- what I mean? I mean, I do. I I just like, sorry, I just had a Cordelia thought that then like took a couple steps on its own here in real time, which is just like, because this is essentially what happens to Cordelia in Angel, right? She has this moment where she, her visions overtake her so much that she feels all the pain in the world all at once and it's, it's slowly killing her. Um, and, and the reason that it, my brain took a couple more steps is because I was like, oh, that's interesting that like, Cordelia's character is essentially like I will ca- I will carry it like I will I will just carry it until I die like that's how I will sort of 
try to do my best. And Willow mm-hmm. is like, I will deal with it by ending the world, which is I've got I mean, a whole is, other plan. <laughs> yeah, I got another way of dealing with this. But it is we've talked, obviously, I mean, we've done like big deep dives into um, Willow's addiction arc and like all of this stuff. So like we've had some conversations that tie in here, which is just that. Willow's big thing for this whole season has been like she doesn't want to feel pain and so she instead of like facing that pain she wants the pain to go away she wants to make it go away so this is like really in keeping with that like this is the biggest manifestation of that you know like now she sees all the pain so she's like I will make it all go away that is the only way to solve this so Willow is so disturbed by feeling all these feelings mm-hmm. and everyone's pain, uh, that she hatches a little plan to bring about the end of the world. And you know, whenever you're planning to bring about the end of the world, your voice naturally deepens again, mm-hmm. two to three octaves. And mm-hmm. she says, oh, you poor bastards, your suffering has to end. <laughs> and then, and then, and she, then she poofs, poofs away. And we already know that that also is not an efficient way to travel. So we've had Buffy just slowly meander out <laughs> after the fireball. Then we've got Willow off to end the world slowly. In, in we've a got Xander's way. Sunday stroll escape <laughs> from Sure Death. <laughs> Fucking season six, episode 22, colon, strolling. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of Xander, he's in the cemetery kicking very ineffectively at a door to a crypt. It's not just a crypt. It's the crypt of uh, Richard Alpert, a character you might know from the television show Lost. (laughs) Well, and also Richard Alpert, a real guy who Mm. was a spiritual teacher and psychologist and Mm. author uh, who went on eventually to be known more readily as Ram Dass. Or Baba Ramdas, I uh, the character on Lost of Richard Alpert is named after. I I tweeted about this uh, grave, we're not grave mausoleum, I guess, uh, a while back, and I was like, look, it's Richard Alpert's, it's it's like Richard Alpert's ancestors who are buried in the Sunnydale Cemetery, and a lot of very astute Lost <laughs> fans said, well, I mean, technically, it could be his, you know, his kids, or it could be. <laughs> <laughs> any, any of the Alperts anybody from there. the timeline literally <laughs> so um so yeah uh they're trying to get into a gr- mausoleum for to hide that's doesn't I guess so why don't they just go to spike's place i mean literally so many times i have that question like later when we're in the earth but i'll ask it then uh <laughs> so yeah go to spikes if you're that's your plan then go to the one you know that is open where clem's probably just hanging out eating doritos with snacks yes so uh <laughs> don't worry everyone buffy is here and she's made it in time for dawn to look at the sky and say sander what what is that i'm a fireball <laughs> It's the last it's the last time I'm playing it, okay? Comedy comes in threes, everybody. <laughs> so there's my joke. That's my stand-up routine for the season finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season six. Good job. Thank I you. you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, unfortunately... <laughs> Ugh, fucking Xander. This is not a great episode for Xander in a number of ways, and this scene is no exception. He uses 
ableist language uh why just why man like and i mean it's not the first time this season has been riddled with um a lot of i mean the series has a lot of ableist language and moments in it but certainly season six 2002 uh there's a there was a lot in this season a lot of times that we've heard language like this and it's just unnecessary it's unnecessary and also harmful so xander for some reason uh in spite of this, Buffy still saved Xander's life. She ran <laughs> all the way across town, Kristen, to push a couple people like three, three feet. feet. They it was a real big fireball. Also, I think they saw it coming. Fireball, that fireball stopped at the espresso pump for a fucking coffee on the way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, what happened here? What is yeah. going on? That fireball stopped to pick up some tinder, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, it's pretty silly, silly, but I guess we needed to get Buffy out of the magic box and whipped and on so the that ground. they could fall into yeah. a big gravy pit, followed by not one, but two swords. Exactly the number of swords as there are no- the number of summers in that where did bowl. These swords, did, did, where did these swords come from? Are the, the boys? Were they the swords that... Andrew and Jonathan were holding. That's what my brain did that loop. And I never confirmed it because I'm like, I, I think it would be a little on the nose for just two swords to fall out of like random places in the earth for them. And they did. They pulled yeah. those swords off of the wall in the magic box. So I guess it was theirs. Um, but so, yeah, down they go. Down they go. Hits his head. And is knocked out. Andrew and Jonathan look into each other's eyes. <laughs> clock the situation. Jonathan says, Mexico, huh? And they run off into the night together. They run off at the same exact uh, mile per hour speed as both the Fireball and Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) Strolling. Look, Sunnydale has a very strict 35 mile per hour town speed limit. (laughs) Oh, fucking back in the magic box. We get a lot of Anya Giles time in this episode, and I am literally always here for it. Yes. Anya's like, are you okay? And Giles says, <laughs> I can see. And Anya goes, um, oh, uh, it's a miracle. <laughs> I love uh, you, Anya. I love but you. look, he can see Willow. He knows where she is. He knows what she's up to. <laughs> yes. Uh, he tells Anya that he's dying. Silly girl. And she says... Tricks are for kids. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Oh, he says it was the only way. So we are to understand, I think, if it, please correct me if I'm wrong, because sometimes my brain gets a little confused, but uh, that Giles knew when he took this this magic that he was likely going to die from yeah. this, this journey. Like he, this was like a self-sacrifice on Giles' part. And maybe also why the witches were like, here you go. (laughs) Have fun. Not us, man. Storming (laughs) the castle. You You left. (laughs) We told you not to fucking leave. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, joking aside, it's it's a really, I mean, I think it really heightens the story and like adds to the whole thing when you know that Giles not only came back, but came back to sacrifice himself so that like Willow might not have to either die or live forever with interminable grief and guilt, you know. Um, He tells Anya she's going to finish it. Anya's like, hmm? And he's like, the world. 
And we get we never get this in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. A beautiful sunrise shot, some B-roll of of the sunrise. <laughs> I'll take it. Is it just me or is time passing very quickly? <laughs> Uh, the su- the sun strolls onto the horizon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now this is important to note. Buffy is trying to climb out of the hole in the ground, mm-hmm. and she cannot. Mm-hmm. She it's uh, she is not able to climb out of the hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yet she is totally unable. Uh, there's no way she's trying to stack coffins on each other. It's not working out. Please note. That Buffy she, cannot climb out of the hole. She cannot climb out of the coffin. I do. I would like to give her uh, props for trying to stack. Co- I think stacking coffins is a is a fun idea. That's a good, totally that's some good problem solving. Hey, hey, Helmathians, how many coffins do you have to stack to get out of a? What do you think? It's hole. Like a, what do you think? Is it like two feet a coffin? You get two feet high. Probably like a. We got like a fifteen foot hole here. Seven coffins. Hellmouth. Probably got to open the coffins so that they you can't stack a coffin on top of a closed coffin because it's usually got a curved top. Round so on, you, rounded on top. Rounded yeah. on top. You got to open it and then stack it and then open that one and stack it. Satisfying. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think this would be satisfying to see. Uh, so <laughs> we don't see that though. And this is where I'm so. This is where I get real mad about spite. Like because I know I like I understand writers that we needed something. F- to get Dawn to say what she says about Spike and for them to have this exchange. But the problem with it is that Dawn is making a valid point. Hey, we're down in these tunnels. I recognize them because Spike uses them to get to the literal place that exits this place. And Buffy's like, obviously we're not going to Spike's. We need to get out of here. And I'm like, but (laughs) ma'am, she's literally very weird. There's a like ladder or something there. You could just (laughs) pop right up. Um, he's not in town. He's not. And, and yeah. And right again, like, I know I get it. Like we had to get here, but I just feel some of these writing moments I'm a little frustrated with because I do think that there were, there were ways that we could have gotten to some of these places that would have been more plausible and more believable and yeah. would have left us not being like. Wouldn't have felt what? so loopholey. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dawn confronts Buffy about the assault mm-hmm. and Buffy's like, Xander. And we're all like, Xander. (laughs) Uh, And Buffy says, now is not the time. And Dawn is like, it is always the time. Yeah, Dawn is like, I don't know know if you've met my character, but. (laughs) Dawn, you may not have noticed. We are in really big trouble here. Why did you not tell me? Because you didn't need to know. Yes, I do. I need to know. I'm not a kid anymore. Dawn, I'm trying to protect you. Well, you can't. Look around, Buffy. We're trapped in here. Willow's killing and people I love keep dying. And you cannot protect me from that. So this, I feel differently about this exchange, obviously, than I do about the way Xander weaponized Buffy's assault. I think that, um, I don't think that Dawn needed to know. I think that the way it's phrased is is not on. But I think, I think... Maybe I'm giving Dawn a little too much room here, but but I think that what Dawn is meaning to say is you could have told me, right? Like that that I like because the the core of this is like I am I am an adult too. I mean, not an adult, but like I'm I'm 
I'm here and I'm able to receive information. And honestly, I think that like I think that Dawn is able to receive this information in a way that Xander certainly has not and cannot. Like I, I think that Dawn not only could receive the information, but could receive it in a way that is complex and the way that like, you know, Buffy is is trying to tell it. That it isn't just black and white, it isn't just one thing, it's multiple things. So I, the the phrasing is a little off to me, but if we're mm-hmm. to read this as you could have told me I was I was able to receive this. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dawn is, you know, Buffy's charge. Like mm-hmm. Buffy is now, you know, her parent ish mm-hmm. guardian. Uh, but Buffy doesn't live a life that is within the bounds of regular mortal life. And Dawn is going to be a part of that. And Dawn is only been immortal herself for like a year or two yeah and uh, and dawn is i mean i think i really think that dawn in a lot of ways has proved her capabilities obviously we're gonna get that like really driven home and in, in this episode but i do think that like she she has made a good case for herself as somebody who can uh, hold her own and also like receive information that is difficult to receive in all capacities. I'm not just talking about this, you know, like she's she's been yeah. through a lot of trauma, just like the rest of them. She's part of the crew here. She's part of the gang. Yeah. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Meanwhile, Xander, go get some fucking rope, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anya appears, and I guess the way the, the way of vengeance demons is they just are like take me to this person, but they don't realize like where that they will be until they're there. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. she she like arrives and she just says holy for holy. <laughs> <laughs> she's down underground, and it's so yeah. good. Emma Caulfield is so fucking yeah. good. Yeah. Tiny she's like great. the tiniest sidebar because I know that this is a finale episode and it's long, but I. I'm like four episodes into WandaVision and uh, just fucking delighting in the Emma Caulfield of it, of it all as well there. Like she just is so good. She's so fucking good. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, Anya, you know, she's like, oh, I was just like with Giles and Dawn is immediately like, oh, you didn't tell me Giles was back. Okay. Dawn. Yeah, that's too much, Dawn. <laughs> You've been, she just found out. Just hang on. <laughs> Uh, and then Anya says that Willow is headed for a satanic temple on Kingman's Bluff. Heard of it? Do you know what this bluff is, Jenny? Tell me all about it. Well, we've been here once before, and it was when the big snowstorm of 1998 happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the same oh. bluff. The same. You're telling me this is the bluff where someone said, am I a righteous man? <laughs> I am. am I a thing worth saving? <laughs> I am. 
same same oh my fucking God. bluff. Uh, so everybody's welcome that we get to think back to the epic snowstorm, the Christmas Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, the episode was amends, and that whole time, that whole scene, he was standing on top of Satanic Temple. Who knew? Now we can go back. You think with that he was knowledge. drawn there, like subconsciously? <laughs> Maybe. I also so just like a quick like Angel to Buffy thing because this so this episode aired on the twenty first, and the Angel season finale aired on the twentieth, the day before. And um, <laughs> this finale ends on Kingman's Bluff, like overlooking the sea. And uh, the Angel season three finale ends at Point Doom, I believe it's called, which is also a bluffy beach ending. So everybody's go- everybody's going to the beach. <laughs> For bad things, bad things at the mm, beach. But. Bad beach. Uh, anyway, uh, so you know, cut to Kingman's Bluff. Willow is using her incredible power to raise the temple up out of the earth because it was buried right in an earthquake. Uh, here's the thing, though, she only she only raises it up enough so that the the element that she needs is exposed. Most of the temple is still underground and she's like, that's good enough. That'll you know, do. the budget is pretty much up. So also n- like no offense to Willow's power, but it was her power and also some wires, which are very visible in one of the shots. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, no, but- maybe that's like, maybe she created those wires with that's her actually, powers. Yeah, I like that. I like that. We'll build it in. Uh, so, this is uh, the temple with the effigy of Prosplexa. That is a, that is a lot. When you put effigy before it, it's hard to say it all. Effigy, effigy of, of Proserpexa. Oh, there you go. Um, a she-demon, referred to as a she-demon. Classic. Who, hot. <laughs> um, followers of Proserpexa uh, were going to use this effigy in 1932 to destroy the world, but then the Earth was like, mm-mm. The earth wagged its finger like a uh, fucking dark willow. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think so. And then swallowed the temple. Like, why Why everybody want to end the world all the time? And was this their plan too? Because Willow's plan is kind of cool. Like her plan is to take like the energy of humanity and like funnel it through the effigy. And then that will become the thing that burns the earth it's like using people to destroy themselves it's like people destroying themselves which is kind of maybe she did it and it's just happening slowly you know oh yeah and we're still feeling its effects today yeah yeah uh (laughs) it's definitely a very energy efficient way to go about destroying the world yeah so hats off to that she doesn't have to burn any coal or do any fracking no no fossil fuels of any kind (laughs) used in uh the funneling of this life force and the cinderification (laughs) of our planet um so uh Anya also says that Giles said no magic or supernatural force can stop Willow. How convenient. How A how convenient. B I'm like really starting to wonder what the writer of this episode like what else he had going on this week. <laughs> I Aww. just feel like no, there I is know. just like it's ooh, it's really there's, just, a, there's whoop, just a lot we could have tidied it up a little we could have made it a little yeah. nicer around the tree <laughs> yeah like yeah say. uh and around then the like i really should make it nice then... around the effigy yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tis the season <laughs> so 
Anya is then like, okay, you have all the information that you need to finish this episode. I should get back to Giles. He is alone. And I don't think he has a lot of time left. No. And Anya poofs back away. And Willow starts talking in Buffy's brain. Yeah. <laughs> Just one more talking in the brain time. Yeah, there's this back and forth. Uh, first, she starts She starts her thing, Dark Willow. She's like, from the pit of forgotten shadows. And then she's like, God damn it. <laughs> the drama. <laughs> Always the slayer, never the slain. She doesn't say that, but I was just she trying doesn't. to play on always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Uh, always the slayer trying to save the world, but I'm the only one who can. Everybody's like, by killing us? She's like, yeah, it's the only that's yeah, the correct. only way to stop this pain. It's the only way. Giles, yeah. we're we're seeing that Giles is seeing this uh, as well. Like everybody's kind of like it's it's almost like primevolish, uh, minus Zan- like they're they're very Giles and Buffy and Willow are very connected in a primevolish way. Um, mm. Which is kind of interesting, actually, to think about, given like yeah. the, Zan- where how Xander shows up um, in the end and what have you, but. Willow is sort of like you you should get to go out fighting um that seems like a good plan you love to fight you're like a warrior whatever the fuck hi yeah Willow's like I've cooked up a special treat worthy of ending a great warrior I call it (laughs) I call it crab-handed swamp thing root monsters what do you think why do they have to have fucking lobster claws why (laughs) I don't fucking no these are goofy guys but i'm happy to see them i guess they had to be they had to be demon and not just like the earth falling on them because dawn had to like fight so fair right i like them too we've had a lot of there's like a lot of earth demons earth a lot of little like these are like little evil groots (laughs) uh (laughs) so Willow also, like, I think is very proud of herself because she gets to deliver. She's, you know, she's been around Buffy for six seasons. So she's like, this is my time to shine with my own jokes. Uh Um, And she's like, (laughs) she's like, it was me who took you out of this earth. And now the earth wants you back. A little play on I put you into this world and I can take you out. Um, And. Oh, yeah. Buffy is like, I can't. I actually can't do this by myself. Um, and, you know, shit, Dawn's the only fucking person here, so I guess I'll give her a sword. No, she's very, yeah. it's a very nice <laughs> moment. <laughs> no, she's like, help me with this sword. And Dawn's like, I got your back. And Buffy's like, cool, the worst thing that could happen is you'll get snipped by some uh, root monster crab hands. <laughs> pinch, pinch, pinch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're just going to pinch Dawn to death. <laughs> Oh, God. Good. <laughs> it so is good. The, so the world starts shaking and Buffy's like, fuck, it's Willow. We cut to the magic box and Anya, Anya, classic, like, these are not Anya's last words, but like, if this were the end of the world, this is a classic way for Anya to go out. It was good of you to teleport all this way. In retrospect, it probably would have been better if you hadn't come and given Willow all that magic that made her like ten times more powerful. That would have been a plus. 
You know? Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't have tact. She doesn't need tact, you know? Fuck tact. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, okay. So Willow's Willow's, you know, well engaged with her satanic earth siphon when some human flesh interrupts it. It's Xander. Here's Xander. Hey, and Willow's like girl. zap. Meh? Yeah, and he blocks the zap with his body, and yep. she's like, yep, Xander, yep, yep, yep. get out of my way. <clears throat> and, like, what are we going to do here? What's the plan of attack? we going to talk about the fighting of Dawn and Buffy, or are we going to go full on in for fucking uh, Xander and, and Willow here? I can't jump back and forth. It's too There's too much emotion in both. All right. Let's talk about Dawn and uh, Buffy sword fighting the root monsters. Great. Well, Dawn does a good job. She cuts she does her a head great off. job. Do you think that there's any part of Dawn, Dawn's like sword play skill that's coming from some sort of preternatural, mm. made from the rib of a slayer uh, <laughs> kind of deal? Maybe. You know? I like that. I like that. Um, and I and I and I also like her. Her explanation, which is like, what? You think I've never watched you? Uh, I've been watching you and I want and I want to be like, you know, like there's a lot about you that I like and that I want to be like, too. It's really sweet. And what's also really sweet is that the lobster claw trees give them this moment, you know, quiet for a second. (laughs) Just one second. They're like, oh, I have something in my eye. It's good. It's really good. Okay, so now let's get on in to the muck uh, here with Xander and Willow. Xander's whole thing is like, if you're going to end the world, I want to be with you because you're my best friend. And you're my best friend no matter who you are. Yes, Jenny. Jenny held up one finger. It was not a waggle finger. It was a hold that thought, Kristen. I got some shit to say. What do you got? I just want to say something to keep in mind while all of this is going on is that right now Buffy believes Xander is going to get her some rope. (laughs) Buffy's like, where is the rope right now? Just so you know. Also, how did Xander get to this temple so quickly? He just ran up the bluff? Like, I guess he just ran. I mean, he heard, did he hear, he was hearing Anya talk about what was going on, right? Right, right. And he just went. And he was like, Kingman's bluff. No supernatural power can stop her. I'm not in the least supernatural. I should you think he trot knew? over there. You think he knew? I don't know. That's a good question. No, it's a really good, like, because I didn't even think about that. Like, right. Did he hear that and think, like, maybe I can help? Um, maybe. We don't see that him would, hear that. That would change it a little bit for me. I don't even know how I would feel about it. But he, regardless, he can uh, help. And the way he, I mean, and... This is what I love, right? I do love the idea that I love you as the, you know, he tells this yellow, that the infamous yellow crayon story that he remembers being teeny tiny Xander with teeny tiny Willow and Willow broke the yellow crayon and she was very upset. She didn't want anybody to know that she had broken the yellow crayon because she's Willow and whatever. Fine. And and the, the the like core the little core of it of like I loved you when you were this kid and you were worried about doing the wrong thing and I love you as this grief stricken person who is like really just 
not okay. I love all the versions of you. And that love will help bring you back to yourself. Like, I do Mm -hmm. think that that is powerful and beautiful. If it wasn't in the vessel that is Xander and that has been Xander for these last few episodes, it would be a lot easier for me to be like, wow, that is incredibly, that's a really incredible thing. It's just that it's just that like... It's just the it really is just the Xander and Joss of it all that kind of fucks me up with the with the narrative, you know. Um, I think the the like the idea, the raw material yeah. is good and powerful. I think that we've just like lost the thread a little bit, especially since like the wedding. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. You know, since the wedding, it's been kind of kind of tough. Yeah. It's felt a little like regress. Yeah, and I and like I wish you know in a in a many episode way I I really wish that that hadn't been the case for the character of Xander because we had been really like on board for growing with Xander and I think that like he could have been um, traumatized by his own observations of like partnership and marriage and have left Anya perhaps not at the altar I don't like I a lot about this season like I just don't know that it had to be as dramatized as it was made to get across the points that it needed to get across you know like I don't think that Anya needed to be left at the altar for us to get where we are and 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 if that didn't happen that way I also don't think that Xander needed to go as far as he went I think that this could have been a really beautiful story if Xander realized his trauma had to leave Anya. Anya was devastated by that, became a vengeance demon. You know, like all of this story, I think, could have been told in a way that um, was just better. (laughs) The girls on Angel on Top asked me uh, with no warning if I liked season three of Angel better than season six of Buffy. And I said I did. I'm just even with Justine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but just and I think this is the reason why, like, I think this like that's what brought it up for me in my brain is like because there's a a lot of incredible stuff in season six of Buffy that I love. I mean, and I and I really appreciate the season for many reasons. You you, there's a whole podcast. You can go back and listen to all of the reasons. (laughs) But (laughs) in terms of like telling a story. Um, I just think that they I just think they went too hard in these places um, where they didn't need to and that it would have been much better as a big arc if if they mm. hadn't and and more powerful if Xander had not if they hadn't made him like fall off this shitty fucking cliff that he fell off of over the last few episodes because we were there with him and we would have I think we would have rooted for him even more to be this this person for Willow in this moment if they hadn't done that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um I know, too, that this scene is, like, very beloved to a lot of folks, especially, I think, especially because uh, the member of the group who d- is not powered yeah. in any way, you yeah. know, is the person to save the world. And, of course, that is a very powerful idea. Yes. That I think uh, that we are super into. Um, I think that just uh, the definitely the lead up, like mm-hmm. the characterization, like Xander's kind of backslide and just the way that this episode is put together i don't i don't know if it's the writing the performance or if the the writing and performance 
would feel better if the lead up was different. Yeah, I don't um, think it's the performance. I really don't. I think that the for the most part the performances are really solid. I think there's I think, you know, it's it's the it's then it's not like it I don't think it's just the writing of this episode alone. You know, it's like everything has to be taken in the context that it came from. And so we, we have a lot of we have a lot of like wobbly metaphors and moments in this season. And so it's hard to like have it all like land precisely. But I, I agree. And I know you said you said you used we saying that like we appreciate this, that I just want to like echo that. Like I do, too. Like I do think that there's something really powerful um, about the, the person without the magical abilities, without the super strength, being able mm-hmm. to like use their love for a person to to save the world. That's rad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What a. What a what a strong and beautiful idea that yeah. maybe just doesn't quite land as solidly here as it could have, mm-hmm. uh, but we still appreciate it. Yeah, um, we get this like the back. I think that I mean this this it's devastating, right? Like the way that the scene unfolds too. At least I think when he's like, "I love you," and she's like, "Shut up! I love you. Stop." I love you. And you see, you see what we learn from Giles is happening uh, later on. You see this humanity in her just like crumbling the exterior. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and Allison Hannigan, you know, you can, (laughs) we've all become intimately familiar with what it looks like when Willow cries. And so we know it's kind of like when (laughs) fucking Angela Chase's lip quivers, you're like, oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> Here it comes. Here we are. Chin, chin, chin wobbles, I should say. Uh, and this is this is that for Willow that like we see the we can see the sobs in her body before they get to the surface of her face, which is man, if that's not acting, I don't know what is. Um, but yeah. she she falls to the ground and Xander's holding her and it's beautifully I mean I think it's a beautifully yeah. shot moment where like we see just like Xander's back and his like large frame sort of like holding her yeah um, and her hair changes back from from black to red um, yeah. it's yeah Jenny has something in her eye and I think I we I think we do and we're, we're not even done yet we're not even done like this is <laughs> I mean fucking this this moment is so powerful that Sarah McLaughlin's over in the green room warming up man she's yeah. fucking like doing her uh, this seems trills. like it calls for a, a music by <laughs> me and me alone uh, <laughs> uh, back at the magic box Anya's like hey we're not dead. Uh, <laughs> You're not <and> Giles, dead. <laughs> Giles reveals that the that the magic that Willow took from him was the true essence of magic versus Willow's magic, which came from rage and power. And Anya's like, and vengeance. Don't, Don't forget, forget vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and like you said, that magic uh, tapped into the spark of humanity that she mm-hmm. had left and helped her feel again and gave Xander the opportunity to reach her yeah and Anya's like my Xander <laughs> and Giles is like he saved us all yeah yeah um so Giles knew what the fuck was up this whole time man he yep. knew that she would take it he knew that it would I mean I don't think he knew that it was gonna end well but he knew there was like it was the only chance yeah <sighs> and then we get this scene down in the hole that certainly no one can climb out of <laughs> definitely not <laughs> between Buffy and Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Dawn's like, I think it's over. We're we're still here. And Buffy's crying. And Dawn, Dawn 
salty teen is immediately like, oh, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> are you happy crying? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. She's like, uh, I'm, I'm not yet a girl. Uh, not, uh, not yet but a simply woman. not yet a woman. No, yeah. But <laughs> uh, yeah. And Buffy's like, no, I didn't want the world to end. You friggin. Uh, and she's like, I know things have sucked. But that's going to change. And I want to be there when it does. Hmm. And she wants to see Dawn grow up. She's going to be beautiful and powerful. Yeah. And she's like, I got it so wrong. I don't want to protect you from the world. I just want to show it to you. There's so much I want to show you. And, then and Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin is like, like oh. <laughs> I I tweeted this today, like right before we started recording here, uh, that like I, you know, I came to the to the finale, like, well, I got a lot of feelings, okay? I mean, I, I'm not so sure about this and that and the other thing. And then like this starts happening, and like Willow's crying and Xander's holding her, and like I care about them because they feel like my family, and then Buffy and Don are like getting <laughs> along, and then Sarah McLaughlin plays, and I'm just like, that's it. I love everything. This is a perfect episode of television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So while Sarah McLaughlin croons, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. We see Buffy and Dawn climbing out of the hole, and we're like, oh, did Xander come back with the rope so that they could finally <laughs> climb out of the hole somehow? Well, there is injury. No, the next scene is Xander still holding Willow, who is still crying. Oh, um, did uh, Anya maybe poof back with some rope? There is darkness. No, no, Anya is is helping Giles out of the rubble at the magic box. She is busy. There is sadness. Here's the here's the image. No, here's the image. This is what okay. happened. Uh, and a scene we didn't see because uh, Anya is at the magic box, but she left for a minute. She poofed back. She stood underneath the hole. Then Dawn stood on Anya's shoulders. Then Buffy stood on Dawn's shoulders. And that is how she got out of the hole. Still not tall enough. I have no choice but to conclude we that it is it upon feet. the wings of Sarah McLaughlin's beautiful angelic voice that Buffy Would you and Dawn have was been on the lifted. Arms. The arms of, of an angelic voice. <laughs> oh, get out of here. Was it on the arms of okay. the angels? <sighs> I will carry you out of the hole. Uh, this is this is important. This is a nice circular. Let the circle be closed. Of course, the reason that the writer said, eh, fuck it, let her crawl out of the hole is because we very clearly get the same shot that we got in the beginning of the season with Buffy's hand reaching out of the grave and pulling oh, herself yeah. up, which of oh, course, yeah. right. It's there to tell us that like this season has been a lot and perhaps mm -hmm. she physically crawled out of that grave in episode one, two, <laughs> but she didn't actually crawl out of that grave until now she has moved yeah. through we have moved through. Wow. All of our little hands <laughs> are shakily reaching. Scrabble through right the dirt. <laughs> uh, we yeah. get a montage. A Sarah McLaughlin montage. Are you kidding me? Yes, please. Any day of the week, I'll take one. 
Buffy and Dawn. Sanders holding Willow. Anya's with Giles. We even get Jonathan and Andrew in a truck on their way to Mexico. And we're like, wow, we did it. Wait, wait, wait. Scott, we've forgotten. Forgot about one dude. The last trial of Spikes. You didn't see it, but it was actually him at the hair salon getting his hair redone because it is a platinum (laughs) in this scene. It is redone. (laughs) (laughs) He had roots previously. I mean, I think he looks blonder. I just feel like the manicured demon was like, you know what, man? You did a good job. I'm taking you to my salon. It's right down the street. Okay. No, I like, I want to see the demon put the plastic home bleach gloves on over his long, long nails (laughs) and massage the uh, lightning agent directly into uh, Spike's scalp himself. I. That that's my nice. head cannon. So Great. listen. Yeah. <sighs> Spike has endured the required trials. Yes. Can you believe it? And Spike says, "I'm going to say very neutrally once again." <laughs> I think this 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 text is more more compelling, yes. more arguable. Yes. That everyone so, knows what we're doing now. I know. So you give me what I want, make me what I was. So Buffy can get what she deserves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now then, that is text that can go both ways. Yes. And Cave Demon says, Very well. We will... We? <laughs> is this demon speaking in the royal <laughs> we? <laughs> we will return. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Your soul! And then he puts his beclawed hand on Spike's chest, and Spike's eyes fucking are aflame as he is re and sold. And now now we gotta talk about this for a second. Oh, yeah, we do. Because again, uh, you know. Yeah, I do. There is there Honestly, is a divide. I think there bef- is a divide before in the viewership we about even- intent. Yeah. No, no. I want you to get into it. I just wanted to to say before we even started this podcast, I remember you talking to me about this. Like this has been this has been in your little hoof for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just very interesting because if if what we believe happened happened, uh, which is that James Marsters was working uh, without full knowledge of where this was headed, Mm -hmm. uh, that again, like, took away the tools that he would have needed to render a more nuanced performance where there was a little more room for interpretation rather than like what to me feels very, like, very ham handed. I don't know. It feels, it feels, it, it doesn't feel like there's room in what we've seen up to this point for us to go back and be like, oh, you got us. Yes. That's not what it feels like. But, I was um, reading some tweets, mm-hmm. the source of which has left my brain. I'm so sorry. But I read some interesting things on Twitter, if you can believe it. Someone put forth the idea that Spike went to to see this demon with the intention, mm. with the conscious intention mm-hmm. of getting the chip out of his head so he could become Spike the regular vampire again. Mm-hmm. But his truest desire was mm-hmm. actually to try to become a better man. Mm. And thus, what the demon is responding to, uh, wish-wise, mm-hmm. is Spike's heart's desire mm. 
mm-hmm. rather than his uh, conscious mm-hmm. sort of like vampire brain desire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which, you know, is interesting. Yeah, it's I mean, that that is compelling and interesting to me. I, I but but I alternatively. Also, yeah, I'm sorry. I just don't want to give the credit to like because I don't I, I, I think that would have been cool if that was the intention. But I don't think it was. And I, I we can make it in our brains, whatever we want it. To sure. Be, and I, I like that read. Sure. I'm I mean, I'm interested in like what were they trying to do? What were they genuinely trying to do? Of course, we can't really truly know. We can only kind of like surmise. and. But and we do take- know, right? Like it is it is a known thing that the that like the that Marty and Joss knew from when he left town how they were ending the season like they did know that he was getting his soul back at the end one other thing that was uh said in this thread that i was reading was that what i just sighed because i i just was imagining james marsters giving us the performance of the spike who in his head thinks what he wants is the chip out but in his heart actually wishes to be a better man and like, just like, think about like how that actor would have taken that direction. Like, yeah. if that had been the deal, it would have been so. Think about what we good. would have seen in that yes. scene in his crypt with Clem when he was like, "Oh, things can change if you yes. make them." Think about yes. the depth and complexity we could have seen in the performance instead of the sort of like, "I'm an evil guy." And, and kind like, of you know, look I mean, to we, the camera. I, I think we would be frustrated about it regardless, but also when it when you know what it is attached to, like when we're talking about when we have this entire episode of conversation around uh restorative like how do we how do we enact accountability how do we how do we enact ju- uh, like restorative justice how do we um heal how do we like all of these questions these are the questions that sat upon the decision of what we did here with this writing which is why like it would have been frustrating no matter what but knowing the like stakes of this uh it's just yeah a bummer one other thing that was said in this thread uh was that um asking the question like why would spike you know travel to another continent to endure terrible physical trials uh with a demon uh to get a chip out of his brain that could in theory if he could just get one competent surgeon on his side all he would have to do is turn a surgeon a brain surgeon mm-hmm. he would just have to make a vampire neurosurgeon mm-hmm. and then he would have somebody he could trust to remove the chip. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of course, he hasn't had that idea yet um, because <laughs> Spike. But that is, that is, I think, a point in the general direction of like, oh, yeah, no, it's less believable that he would travel to another continent and put two yeah. bunch of trials to get a piece of uh, computer equipment out of his brain. Right, right. And I like, I guess like there was a part of me that also thought that like what he was after, like that he had just like kind of accepted the fact that he could never get the chip out of him. And so what he wanted was to just like find his inner Eve. You know what I mean? Like the way that it was delivered to us was like, I have this chip and it's fucking me up and I need to go back to the evil that I was like that. It was like he had like given up on taking the physical thing out of his brain and had instead was like after just getting being able to be evil spike mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the chip. Right. Right. Right, right. 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 We'll never have answers to these questions. So we can just we fucking won't. sit here and ask them for, for days on end. Um, 
Do you think that wherever, I actually know exactly where Angel is right now, um, but do you think wherever Angel is, his his soul was like, oh, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Quite possibly. Not room in this town for the both of us, sir. I am the vampire with a soul. That is my Mm -hmm. gig. (laughs) Surely not two in Southern California. Surely not. (laughs) Well, where does this leave us, Kristen? Well, I, for one, would like to get sexy. Sexual attention award. Well, welcome back to the final installment of the Sexual Tension Awards for Season 6. Activate Emily McLongstreet. <laughs> if you're new, if you're newer to the pod, uh, just so you know, the way that this rolls is that every season we do a, now we do a vote off for the winner of every episode. And then at the end of the season, Emily McLongstreet, champion of sexual tension award brackets, will mm-hmm. lead us fearlessly through voting for the winner of the whole season. And my friends, we are only one season away. From having all seven winners compete oh, against each other. Oh. God! <laughs> well, the only way we can get to Bracket Town is for me to deliver unto you mm-hmm. this episode's noms in their various slots, and then mm-hmm. for you to vote on them. So let's get down to business. In slot number one, he's sweaty and shirtless and he needs a demonic manicure it's spike and the cave demon battling it out through a series of friggin physical trials that are testing spike's metal while cave demon who apparently this is what he's into just watches Ooh, he's like here have some beetles mm, let's do your clack. hair <laughs> yeah 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 in slot number two your noms well <laughs> uh one of them is uh wearing full eye black contacts and has little blue veins all over her face and one of them is just power it's dark willow and power she can't get enough of it she's in constant pursuit of it she is after it she's slurping it right out of the bodies of yes humans just slurping it right up in slot number three long has she waited to wield a weapon worthy of her frail little wrists. She's not it's, a girl. She's not, not a girl. Yet a not yet a woman. It's <laughs> Dawn and sword fighting, the thing she has longed for this whole time. All she wants to do is help with the sword fighting. <gasps> and in slot number four, the absolute last slot. For me to announce for season six. Wow. Are you ready? I'm ready. Perhaps it's been said they always were fated to end up together. They keep trying. They keep trying. It's the life force of humanity <laughs> and the effigy of Prosser Pexa. Woo! 1932-2002. It's a Guess love we'll that see will you not again die. In actually, seventy-two. 
The desire has been building for decades upon decades. <laughs> and uh, here it came close to coming to a head. Mm, they got so close. If you want to cast your vote uh, and make your voice heard in our sexual tension awards democracy, mm-hmm. please find the poll uh, on our Twitter at BufferingCast. Uh, the poll will be up from one week from today. Uh, mm-hmm. So choose well, choose wisely, mm-hmm. stay sexy. <laughs> Uh, Also, before we jingle on out to the other side of this segment, uh, just so you know, if you want to be a part of the bracket, right, because we're not going to have necessarily episodes rolling into your ears for a little while, because this is when we get to take a little nap. We don't actually do that, but (laughs) you you pretend we do. Uh, (laughs) You should follow us somewhere, because because the, the bracket will be posted on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. We're buffering cast in all those places, so if you want to be in on those bracket votes, go there that is where we will let you know when each new round begins and you can cast your votes well 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 jenny how are you feeling how are you feeling about this season uh you know i'm kind of like feeling a little relieved that it's <laughs> over is that okay <laughs> yeah it is it is it's been um uh, it's been a real season and i love you know like what i love about the ending we get is i feel like we are i know i reference bastion and uh, treyu and their story to reality connection in the never ending story but this really feels like we we too are in this montage, you know? Like, I would like you to play this Sarah McLaughlin song, and in your mind, you see the scenes of of Anya and Giles, you see Xander and Will, you see Buffy and Dawn, you see the duo on their way to Mexico, you see, and then you see Jenny and I talking into microphones, and you see Alba, mm. and you see Mac, you see LaToya, you see yourself, you see... Us, but you, you go to the store, you're buying a mask for the first time, put it on your face because you're like, what's this thing? This is nuts. Oh, my God. You're going to the, you know what I mean? Like you just give yourself the montage you deserve because it's been a fucking season. Wow. OK, it's been a truly season. <laughs> it's been a lot. It's been a lot, guys. And we're fucking still here and we're still talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, but like, thank you. For journeying with us. Yes. What a pleasure it has been. Well, what a time it has been. At times time. pleasurable, at times difficult, but like I the said, whole time we've been the, together. The line between, you know, experiencing deep trauma and, and deep joy is usually quite thin. So we've oh we've had God. both. We've mm-hmm. had both, uh, all of us in different ways. Um, but we, we did it. We got to the end of the season. You should know, and I'm, I'm sure that we mentioned this up in the intro as well, that while we are on a break, and you can always follow our schedule on bufferingthevampireslayer.com, just go to the calendar. Uh, there are two calendars, but the, the, when you click on calendar, it'll take you to our, our production calendar, and you'll see all the things that are happening and what have you. The other calendars are uh, anti-racism calendar, which has like incredible uh, events of all different genres, uh, all different kinds of activities and things to participate in over there. Um, but in this 
this break for us, we will be re-airing some of the episodes that were over on the Patreon feed because we had some we had so many episodes this season that we didn't put them all in the main feed. And so we will be putting the um, conversation that we had with Jess Clark um, about assault and the scene specifically um, between Spike and Buffy and seeing Red. In the main feed, we'll also be putting the Unbury Your Gaze episode in the main feed. So there will be some stuff rolling into your ears if you haven't gone over to Patreon um, to hear it there. Yes. (sighs) Jenny. Yes. Thank you for sitting across the uh, virtual table from me uh, for the last near two year. My pleasure and journeying through this season with me. I care about you you very much. Likewise. Thank you so much. She kind of forced her hand there. She had to say that, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I care about you very much. Kristen looks through the ether at Jenny. (laughs) And you? (laughs) Uh, mm. Um, Yeah, so we'll see you. We'll see you back here um, for the seventh and final season when we come wow. back. Wow. How's Huge that possible? Deal. It's like the Oregon Trail up in here. We're like a whole different set of people by the time we get to the end of this fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. I have a long, long gray beard <laughs> now. We've changed so much since season one. Okay. But we haven't changed all that much because I'm still Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not making this podcast, well, I'm doing a bunch of other stuff Uh, i make another podcast called veronica mars investigations with my pal helen zaltzman we've come nearly to the end of our veronica mars journey but we're going to be talking about other stuff still over there so if you want to hear more of my speaking voice that's a place you can do it you can also hear a whole lot of my singing voice and i'll tell you where Uh, you can find my music by searching my name jenny owen youngs on your favorite digital music platform Uh, you can also give me a shout on twitter at jenny owen youngs you can join me for live streams on twitch on a pretty much a weekly basis in fact i'll be doing a stream this very evening 5 p.m to 7 p.m eastern on my twitch channel you can find me over there and in uh the weeks to come as well and hey one other thing i'm in a band now called lax's and our debut album get some is out now on all digital platforms it's pretty fun and it's fairly gay which Mm. seems like it might be up your alley Mm. uh fans of buffering the vampire slayer (laughs) may enjoy musical bouts of homosexuality yeah uh i like it give me that gay shit you know that's where you can find those are the places you can find me Yes. Uh, and hear me in the break. Yes. And if you go to gimmethatgayshit.com, you will find <laughs> out more about me. <laughs> Just kidding. I wish. I wish I owned that URL. I don't. Uh, you can learn more about me and my gay shit uh, on my website, kristennolene.com. We haven't played the beautiful jingle that you uh, have written for people to know how to spell my name in a while. So let's let's hit that. Hit it, me. Kristen with an I, N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And you can use that spelling of my name to find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I got some stuff going on. Honestly, the the biggest thing that I have been doing recently is different events, um, virtual events at workplaces and also with like high school uh, GSAs and library groups and things like that. I do a lot of talks for parent groups at workplaces. I also do um, fun podcasts with Joanna Robinson. It's on our Patreon here. 
Buffering the Vampire Slayer and on the Storm's uh, Patreon. And it's called Feels Like the First Time. I'm running out of movies. I'm just a, a regular fucking cinema aficionado these days. I have watched like literally four million MCU movies. Uh, mm. I have so many feelings. The episode on my feelings about Marvel went up last week. Anyway, you can listen to me talk more about that. Um, feels like the first time. Uh, and Jenny, if, in case anybody missed it, who are we? Oh, my gosh. We are Buffering the Vampire Slayer. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Or you can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. It's true. You can. And you can support the work that we do here. Uh, biggest and best way to support this work is by becoming a patron of ours, uh, patreon.com slash BufferingCast. Or you can find any and all of the things that we talk about here on the website, BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Dot com. Uh, you can also uh, go over and scoop up some of our merch. We've got so many new fun things in the store, both stores, uh, both the UK EU store and the store here in the States. You can rate and review us if you care to. Or you could just like feel a lot of love in your heart. And oh, we'll yeah. Get it. We'll hear your voice in our heads like everyone who knows Willow. Yeah. <laughs> May have to at any time. You could play Sarah McLaughlin, you know, for we'll us feel it as we reach our little wobbly hands out of the earth. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, well, you're all beautiful. And till next season. Ah, <gasps>
Hey folks, I'm Yen, and I'm Nat, and we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me, and people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer, and then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now with new episodes every two weeks, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?